welcome to Call to the Far Shore. It's good to be back again. It is, it is. Um, sequels are always the best, right? Empire Strikes Back, is this is this the Empire Strikes Back episode? <laughs> <laughs> or Toy Story 2 was Toy Story a favourite. Yeah, that yeah. was a favourite too. Uh, yeah. and, you know, but we just mentioned basically two of the best sequels ever. But, you know, there's some pretty, <laughs> there's some pretty terrible ones out there too. So yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, been, it's, it's been it's nice to be back with you, James. And I, I just need to do a shout out because we've had a few we've had a few interactions of of people reacting to the first podcast. Uh, just need to shout out to a, a girl called Susie who said that she listens to to a lot of podcasts, and we are in the top three. So that was good. So that was nice. Of she her. listens to a lot of podcasts. Oh, uh, pro- probably three podcasts. Three and we podcasts. are in the top three. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. We, we had some other great feedback too. We had some feedback, which was that we were, we had a good volume, uh, that our audio I, was good. I thought that, I thought that was like what people control themselves. Because you're not just turn up and down yourself. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. No, we we got a few we got a few emails. We have got a few questions that we're going to tackle today. And you know, I think I think it's worth noting that you know Andy and I are obviously new to podcasting. And but what what we want this podcast to be is we want this podcast to be a a conversation. Um, and I think everything that we do is best done in these conversations where we kind of wrestle with these issues and 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 work things out. So when you guys have questions or comments, uh, feel free to send them in. We have an email address set up for the podcast. It's thefarshore at reviveinternational.net. Uh, so feel free to uh, send in uh, your comments and questions there. So just be part of the conversation. talking about mission last week and uh there was a question that was put out saying that were you guys actually agreeing or did you just try and you know try and mesh your ideas together to sound like you were agreeing um Mm. so the big thing i I think within that and we talked about jesus's mission Mm. and i think i think another question we had as well is aren't aren't those two missions different so Mm. who wants to wants to tackle this one first (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i think it was basically uh, James, you were you focused on Matthew 28 and obviously the Great Commission. Uh, what a you know a very famous passage in the Bible. And then when I when I explained my view of of mission, I went to to Luke 4 uh, to when Jesus stands up in the the synagogue and uh, quotes Isaiah 61. And I would think we need to go right back to the beginning. And I think we need to explain to people what what do we mean when we say the word mission? Now, I would suggest that mission did not start in Matthew 28. You know, when did mission start in the Bible? Mission did not start when Jesus resurrected and then told all his disciples on the hilltop to go to all nations and baptize everybody. That is not when mission started. We need to have a a more holistic view of the whole biblical story from Genesis to Revelation, and to understand that actually the whole Bible is the story of of God's mission. And I would suggest that mission started with Abraham. After the fall, when sin entered the world, humankind fell, all of those relationships were broken. God initiated his redemption, restoration mission of the whole world and said to Abraham, said, hey, you need to go to a far country 
um, and I will bless the nations through you. And so when we talk about mission, we are talking about what's called the Missio Dei, God's mission of restoring and renewing all things to himself. And obviously, Jesus's mission, i.e. dying on the cross to save us all, James, you cannot reenact that. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, and I think I think it's funny, we talked about when we were kind of running over uh, the episode from last week too, it's funny that I think one of the things we didn't do was we didn't kind of focus in on, on Jesus's mission and what he accomplished, because what Jesus accomplished is what uh, what allows us to carry out that kind of great commission, which allows us to do these things. Um, and it's funny, I, I think there was a, a Luke, Luke 19, verse 10 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That was Jesus's mission. That was what he came to do. It was part of this overall uh, mission. And that was the most crucial turning point that he that he played in, in this overall mission. Yeah. And so and so for us, when we get involved in mission, we're getting involved in, in God's mission, which is ongoing. This whole idea of restoring and renewing and saving people. That's what we're getting involved in. And so there are lots of passages in the Bible which emphasize different aspects to what we as the church, as God's people, should be getting involved in as followers of, of Jesus. And so you have Matthew 28, obviously, going to all nations and teaching command the commandments, teaching, obeying, discipleship, all that kind of thing. You have all of Luke, which we'll, I'd like to get into very soon. You have Acts 1, which talks a lot about, of, of, of you know, just after Pentecost, about how the Holy Spirit will come on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And so there's all of these different aspects uh, towards um, um, our mission. And Matthew, we, we, we spoke a lot about uh, Matthew, and I spoke a lot about Luke. And it'd be interesting to to see the different emphases that Matthew and Luke talk about when they talk about how we as Christ followers should get involved in, 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 in God's mission. And so just for example, Matthew, he is talking to a very Jewish audience. And Luke is the only Gentile um, Oh, I've said a key word, James. I don't know whether you have said to, a key word. We have. And this is when the this is when the alarm goes off. We should have. Go, yeah. We should. Just... We should have a little jingle of the week, shouldn't we? Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, one of the other questions we had too was just someone mentioned about <clears throat> using Christian lingo. Uh, so sometimes um, we use words when we're talking about the Bible, and sometimes these words are. Uh, you know, easy for us to understand, and sometimes they're not. It depends on where you are on your journey. So the word Gentile, we used it last week too. Uh, so the word Gentile, basically in the Bible, is someone that is not a Jew. Um, uh, why that is important in the Bible is um, Andy mentioned Abraham early on, and how you know God promised um, to Abraham to make him into a great nation. This is the story in Genesis, if you want to look it up, and how through that nation, um, the whole world was going to be blessed. This was part of his mission. Uh, so Abraham uh, became the nation of Israel, uh, the Jews. Um, Jesus came from that nation. Um, so by the time we reached the New Testament, there was very much this animosity 
between the, the, the Israelite nation, the Jewish nation, and Gentiles, or, or the non-Jews. Uh, and there was this idea that somehow this mission um, was not for the Gentiles. It was just for the Jews, even though right back at the beginning of the mission, uh, God had made it very clear that the, the ultimate purpose of this mission wasn't just for one nation, um, but it was for all nations. So that that's the 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 buzz the buzzword Gentile right there. Go for it, Andy. Continue. There we go. And then <laughs> jingle fade out, and we're back. Okay. So Luke was <laughs> so Luke was the only Gentile uh, writer in the New Testament, and so and so Matthew he is obviously writing to his audience, uh, which was the the Jews, and that's why he uses a lot of Old Testament prophecies. He's trying to show the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah who was prophesied all the way through. Uh, through Matthew, whereas Luke isn't really too fussed about trying to prove in a Jewish context that Jesus was the Messiah. He's writing to a whole different type of audience, and he has a much fo- he focuses much more on the work of the Holy Spirit and 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 the poor and the marginalised and this kind of um, this border breaking compassion that Christians should emulate. You know the story of the the Good Samaritan. All this kind of stuff are are stories that only Luke has in in uh, in in his gospel. And so he's really wanting to emphasise that Jesus really identified with the poor. And it's interesting if you take the the Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount of the Beatitudes. And Luke's account of the same, the same, uh, the same beatitudes. And so, if you compare Matthew chapter five verse three, Jesus says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Now, if you go to Luke, Luke in chapter six verse twenty, uh, he says that Jesus said, "Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God." He misses out in spirit, and so, and then in, in, in Matthew five, chapter uh, Matthew chapter five, verse six, again in the Beatitude, Jesus says, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled." And then Luke says in chapter six, verse twenty-one, it says, "Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied." And so you can see that Matthew is spiritualizing this kind of issue of of poverty. He is saying, blessed are you who are poor in spirit, whereas Luke is saying, blessed are you who are poor now. Matthew says, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And Luke says, "Blessed, blessed also are you who hunger now. And these are true. No, No one is wrong here. You know, we all have a spiritual poverty of our need to know Jesus and to know God and to be reconciled with him. But also part of our work on this earth is to also look to the poor, those who are actually poor now and those who hunger now. And the problem is, James, is that sometimes, especially within the the church, people, they separate something which shouldn't be separated. And so some people, they will take these verses from Matthew and they will say, oh, Jesus wasn't actually talking about the poor. He was actually just talking about the spiritually poor. And so that means we don't have to do anything with the poor. 
because Jesus is only talking about the spiritually poor, and all of us are spiritually poor. And so it's all it's only about proclamation and hunger for righteousness, so for personal sanctification. And so yay, we don't we can just focus on those things and we can forget about you know the the, the real poor and those who are hungry now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's that it's I think what you're hitting on there, Andy, is you're also hitting on and I think we come across this again as we as we talk about theology, I always find we we talk about tension a lot. Um, I I always think this is like the the key to understanding a lot of these principles in the Bible is understanding the concept of tension. Uh, If I take a rope and I hold a rope with one hand and I hold a rope the other hand and then I pull as tight as I can, then then uh, theology. So it sits sits on that kind of tightrope between those things and you can't let either end go. Otherwise, it collapses. Um, So we see that with what you're talking about there with this idea that of proclamation and then a proclamation telling people the gospel and then the idea of 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 serving people too mm-hmm. uh, that the two of those have to go to go hand in hand because if i am teaching people about everything that god has commanded them one of the things that god's commanded them is to is to love people is to love them in the way that you want to be loved so i can't just proclaim that and not act that out too uh, that that wouldn't be loving. If I if I'm talking with someone, if someone's in my life and I'm not addressing their practical needs as well as their spiritual needs, then then I'm failing to act in a Christ-like way. It's funny. It just as you're talking there, I hadn't prepared this, but it uh, makes me think of you know the story where the four friends bring the man on a mat, um, yeah. and he's he's you know paralyzed. And they take him to meet Jesus. Uh, they can't get into this house. So they climb up on the roof. Uh, they make a big hole. And they lower their friend through on the mat down towards Jesus. Uh, insane story. Uh, you know, you, you just picture it. Uh, you know, everyone's, everyone's seeing this going down. The man comes down and Jesus says to him, um, your sins are forgiven. That's what he says. So mm-hmm. he addresses the man's spiritual need. Uh, and obviously this causes a huge fuss, uh, you know, from the religious teachers. They're like, who is this man that he thinks he can forgive sins? Mm. And he turns to those men and he says, you know, just so you know that I have the power to forgive sins, I will turn and I will say, take up your mat, walk. Man gets up and walks. Amazing story. But within that, I think there's there's two things in that tension there, right there, is it shows that the other side of things, too. When we look at that situation, we think... What that man needs is he needs to walk. That is the most important thing. But yeah. actually, the most important thing he needs is uh, to have his sins forgiven. Yeah. But he also needs to walk too. And yeah. he gets both. And Jesus addresses both his his physical need and his mm-hmm. spiritual need. And I think yeah. you know if we if we had the choice of which one should we address, which one should we address first? I, I, it strikes me that it should be the the spiritual need. But oftentimes that that. There isn't a choice like that. Oftentimes, yeah. is we if we're in a relationship with someone, which is where best discipleship happens, then we're addressing both the practical and spiritual needs at the at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is this is you know this kind of debate has been going on for so long about you know the the proclamation and the and and and, and social action, and even the Lausanne conference and the Lausanne conference for those of you who don't know are these massive gatherings of the evangelical church who get together every now and again to try and really thrash out some of the some of the issues that are happening they grappled with this kind of idea of of which is more important 
the kind of spiritual need or the material need, the spiritual side of the gospel and the material side of the gospel. And they, you know, they said that, you know, the spiritual is primary to the to the material. But they tried, and they didn't really do it very well, but they, they tried to, to reconcile this tension which you've been talking about. And unfortunately, we are victims to our own Western uh, worldview uh, from the, enlighten, in the, the Enlightenment. We like to, to separate things which sometimes shouldn't be separated. And so we separate body and soul, where in, in other uh, worldviews, other cultures, they they don't separate body and soul. You know, it's just it's it's, it's one. You know, it, it's just one. Um, and so and so the the whole idea of of proclamation and and social gospel shouldn't be shouldn't be separated. But we separate them, and so we separate the spiritual from the material, from the physical. This is what we do all the time. And unfortunately, when we separate the spiritual to the material, we also separate a lot of other things. And so, therefore, God is spiritual and physical. The physical God is science, basically. The church is the spiritual realm and our secular work is in the secular material uh, uh, realm, you know. God sin is only has only um, has only infiltrated the spiritual realm, and so that and so sin is a spiritual thing, and we kind of shy over and don't believe that sin has also penetrated lots of the material world as well, like how society exists and economic relationships and in creation. And so unfortunately, when we when we separate, when we divorce the spiritual and the material, we 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 reduce things that shouldn't be reduced. And so we reduce the scope of sin just to spiritual things. And we also reduce the scope of the good news of the gospel to just something which is personal and spiritual and has no implications for the material world of how we live our lives. And so unfortunately, we, 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 we separate something which shouldn't be separated. And then we ask, what is more important, proclamation or social, when actually they are part of the same whole that shouldn't really be separated and they should be done together, just like you've uh, explained. It's it's. I hope that we've done a better job of kind of explaining, <laughs> explaining mission and how it all fits together too. I think it's it might be good for us to start here just to start giving some practical examples. I think oftentimes it's easy for us to kind of be in our heads and describe this, uh, but when we start talking there about kind of bringing the kind of social justice side and the proclamation, the gospel side together. I don't know what people think of. I, I know that me personally, when people start talking that way, I start thinking of international missions, or I start thinking of people getting involved with a nonprofit organization and stuff like that too. I think I start to pull myself out of where I am right now and start to put myself into somewhere where I should be. Right. Um, so, and I think this links to another question from from last week too, which is, Towards the end, we were just sharing some different quotes about what mission is. And one of the things you said was you said that mission uh, should and can only be pioneering. Um, so 
people are like, does that mean, what does that mean that mission mm. needs to be pioneering? Does that mean we just, we need to go somewhere or, you know, what is the, yeah, what were you getting at? Yeah. So I, I don't mean we should stop doing all the stuff that we've been doing for hundreds of years, thousands of years, <laughs> and and all that needs to stop because it's not pioneering anymore. No, that, by no means. And this is another example of, of, of perhaps, you know, skimming over very important subjects and not really having enough time to go into them, which is why we have this clarification podcast, <laughs> um, <laughs> which we'll probably be having a lot of. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so mission is definitely, it's, it's always contextual. And we all know that our cultures, our societies, they are moving and they are changing the whole time. Uh, there's technology is always coming about. And if we are wanting to try and reach those who have never heard the good news of Jesus before, we do need to be creative in finding new ways to deliver and explain old truths you know, trying to explain the good news of the gospel in a way which is relevant for today and a way that can be received today. Um, and if we can widen it out a little bit to to the church. And a friend of mine called uh, Johnny Baker, he, he used an analogy of a forest for the church. So when we talk about the church, I don't mean just the church buildings um, and like Sunday services. I'm talking about all of those kind of Christian activities that we do, which could be churches and there could be church services. But also this podcast is a very tiny little bit of of Christian activity in in uh, uh, in the world. And so if you kind of think of it as, as a forest, you would have these massive oak trees of, you know, the, the, the old denominational churches, you know, been around for years and years and years, these massive, massive oak trees, you know, spreading, you know, for a long, long time and, 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 and very far. But then also in a forest, you have all sorts of other kind of biodiversity kind of stuff. You might have little shrubs, which might be a little home group or a small group, people who meet in, in, you know, in their homes. Or you might have, you know, a little soccer game and, you know, you have some Christian guys play with non-Christian guys. And through football, you're, you know, you're talking to them, relational evangelism, this kind of thing. That is part of the forest. It might just be a little, a little shrub, <laughs> but it's part of this forest. But if you imagine a forest on the edges of the forest, so, for example, i.e. where the church has not yet got, you know, where all this Christian activity has not yet reached, what grows best on the margins of a forest? Usually not an oak tree that grows on the edge of a forest. It's small little plants and shrubs that start to grow and grow and grow and grow. And so this is when I say we need, we need to be pioneering. So when we're thinking of where the church hasn't reached yet, there's no point in trying to lug a massive oak tree on our backs to try and go where the church hasn't reached. We need to travel light. We need to be pioneering. We need to think of creative ways in which to grow the forest of Christ's church in this world. Yeah. So that means you can be pioneering exactly where you are today. You can think of creative ways of being missional, of talking about Jesus, talking about the good news in different ways so that people who perhaps don't really want to engage in the established church, that they also are able to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's funny, Andy. I think we always uh, joke, me and you, as we've you know, got older together, 
we have definitely become similar. Uh, I think one of the things that's always different about us is is you are definitely the positive one. Uh, you are the the glass half full, and I am the glass half empty. Um, <laughs> so I love the way that you kind of presented that in a much more positive way. I think what runs through my head when you when you when you talked about the kind of the church as a forest and entities that way, I keep thinking that some of our forest and one of the problems I see is some of our forest is fenced off. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, we're not we're not actually welcoming people into we've actually yeah. especially in the states if i'm talking about america um you know and you know i don't want to get into uh kind of a political discussion today or a uh, a church discussion too far but but there is definitely a cultural um christianity present in the states which is actually very off-putting to people and, and yeah. many of our international listeners uh i know will understand what I'm saying, maybe more than my American listeners. It's funny, when I talk to some of my American friends, I always say, you know, I get asked a lot of questions from family and friends in the UK about what is happening in the US and what's happening with the, with the church in the US too. Yeah. Um, so it's funny, when I, when I kind of think about what you're saying there, I think there is a desperate need um, for people to realize that they are called to mission outside of of this kind of traditional idea that it's the role of the church and again church is this buzzword you use church to describe all christian activities church to a lot of people is just the building it is a tribe of people that form one church in one area and church in the bible is actually used as well to describe all christians of all time all kind of who follow jesus mm. um so for me as well i think there is a desperate need for people to realize that individual responsibility uh, to be on mission. It's not the responsibility of a paid professional. It's not the responsibility of an organization, but it is our individual responsibility to be on mission. And like you said, again, it's it's where you're at. I, I love there's this description. I was listening to a talk recently and I wish I knew who it was, but it was talking about this idea of taking a missionary response to where you're at. Um, mm. So, for example, if, if you know, if we were sending, if you and I decided that we were going to go to Guatemala, randomly picking a country, uh, and that we were going to try and take the good news to Guatemala, we would do a lot of research ahead of time. We'd look into the culture of Guatemala. Mm. We'd look into the language of Guatemala. We'd look into where do people meet? Where is the social meeting place of people that live in Guatemala? What are the needs of people there? What are the needs that aren't being addressed? And that's that's very simply, but that's kind of what we do to be effective uh, when we got there. I think oftentimes we need to start applying that mindset to where we are. So right. whether whether it's in uh, Olinda, Brazil, whether it's in uh, Penn Valley, California, uh, whether it's in Manchester, United Kingdom, whether it's in Peru, we have some listeners from Peru. Again, it's starting to it's starting to ask those those questions, like what. Where, where do people meet? What are mm -hmm. the needs in our area? And how can I start to be a agent of change? How can I start being a missionary to these people? Yeah. Um, and oftentimes, I, right now, that might, that might start happening outside of the established church. It might yeah. be something simple as starting a board games night with men in the area to yeah. connect with them and share your life with them and build those relationships with them. It may be it may be that you're starting a, a nonprofit to address uh, childhood hunger in the area and you're connecting with families that way too. Um, exactly. 
but I, I think that it's taking that kind of that that personal responsibility and applying those kind of missional principles to to where we to where we live. Yeah, and it's it's very similar to to lots of churches here in Brazil, and they're kind of you know you ask you ask a, uh, a, a you know a regular Christian from 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 around here, you know what do you do? What missional things do you do? And they will list a lot of stuff, which is basically inviting people to a church service. So their kind of mission strategy is just to to have more services. That's what they want to do. Yeah. Let's have more services within the church to invite more people. I like to describe that as the this is here you go cultural cultural reference uh, the field of dreams mentality. So field of dreams, a famous American film, baseball film about a guy that builds a baseball. Uh, field for a bunch of ghosts anyway um very similar <laughs> but there's this idea of build it and they will come that's this mm. big kind of idea in this film and i think yeah. that that's kind of what you're getting at there the mission yeah. the mission idea and and we should touch more on this again i know that the brazilian church is heavily influenced by american church culture too but this idea that we build it and they will come yeah. is, is this kind of missional idea that the the better the building uh, the better the yeah. programs and that people will come and like you were saying, you know, the idea of Brazil where people are inviting people to a service um, and it's it's lost its idea of being sent people. Um, so, again, it's that that going back to that Great Commission um, in Matthew or well, the Great Commission is in all the Gospels. But the idea that we are a sent people, it's not just individuals that are sent, but it's, but it's all of us that are sent. Yeah. And it's about getting out of the, the four walls of a church and having a mission strategy of actually going to where the people are and being able to communicate the gospel, the good news, in a way which they can understand and respond to. And, and that is when we need to find those pioneers, those people who are able to be creative in some ways and, and make sure that the language that we're using, the stories that we tell, the way that we're engaging with people is in a way that they can actually respond to. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, you know, about, you know, the church should be that the hands and feet of Jesus, which is always a very cheesy phrase that people that people use. And so, you know, we should be going to and doing the things that Jesus was doing. But unfortunately, I think, you know, oftentimes and quite recently, the church, rather than being the hands and feet of Jesus, we're just a, a big mouth. <laughs> the church has just become a big mouth, complaining about lots of things. And people, the church is kind of more known for what we are against than for what we actually, the good news that what we actually believe and, and do. Um, and so and so that needs to change as well. Yeah. So I think I have a good story to kind of kind of tie this up about maybe how practically this looks on a very simple level. Um, so I was visiting family in the UK a couple of years ago and I was sitting in a pub and there was a group of men. I had no idea who these men were sitting on a table in front of me. And as I was kind of sitting there waiting for someone, I was listening into their conversation because it's always fun to listen to other people's <laughs> conversation. Anyway, they were talking and one of the guys was talking about a, a friend uh, he had. Um, and he was saying this, he was saying, Hey, so I was, I went around to my friend's John's house the other day. Uh, they just had a baby. I couldn't believe it. When I got there to see the baby, uh, his whole church was there and they bought him uh, a bunch of things for the baby and they'd stocked his freezer full of food. He's like, now don't get me wrong. I'm not going to stop believing in all this Jesus stuff. 
But I have mm-hmm. to say, I'd never seen a community act that way before. Wow. Anyway, it was it was just it was such a like off the cuff kind of uh, comment, and it just really caught my attention. And I was like, yeah, like it the the impact in terms of uh, what we do and how we serve and how we love one another is a way of of sharing the gospel with people beyond the the walls of the church. Exactly. Um, one of my uh, favorite um, kind of passages um, in in the Bible to kind of talk about this is. Uh, actually, Jesus's prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm. Uh, Gethsemane. I can't pronounce my. Uh, <laughs> um, so, and he is he is praying um, just before he goes to the cross. He prays for um, his disciples, and then he prays for all disciples that are going to come. He prays for all Christians, mm. yeah. and he he kind of repeats this refrain where he he asks, um, "I pray that they will be one." Uh, just as you and I are one, so he's praying for unity of the church, so that they will believe, so that people that mm-hmm. don't believe in Jesus will believe yeah. by the way that they act as one together in this kind of unity. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. you said before the church is known for what it's against. Wouldn't it be interesting if if the way that the church took care yeah. of themselves, of their community, and the way that Christians took care of one another and their neighbors and the relationships yep. around them. I think we, we we forget that that action speaks so loudly uh, to the fact that Jesus came, uh, that Jesus did complete his mission, and that he is bringing about restoration and, and the end to sin. Andy, last week I got to talk to you about a bit about the work of Revive. Uh, one of the things we didn't get to cover uh, was kind of the future of Revive and some of the new things that are happening there. Um, and I'm also excited to discuss with you how we measure success too. Um, you know, when it comes to kind of mission and organizations, how do we go about measuring success? Um, but anyway, I just want to give you a brief opportunity. Any any new updates in Revive this week? Yeah, so we'll save those harder questions <laughs> for another pod and we can get stuck into them. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been a bit of a challenging day at Revive today, a bit of a sad, sad event. Um, we just had a, a new girl arrived uh, today. Um, she's only four years old. And uh, the trouble is, is that she was adopted a few years ago. She was adopted when she was one. And her adoptive family have just today um, given her back, which is ridiculous, yeah. Yeah. like a like a, an unwanted clo- pair of clothing that you've bought from a shop and you didn't like. Um, and this is really bad because obviously these, well, I'm, I'm still a little bit hurting by it. So I might I might go on ranting, but trying to keep myself cool, uh, they should be in jail, <laughs> basically. Um, you know, this is, this is not good. You can't abandon, you know, your children, you know, adopted or not. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, and, and, the, and the trouble is that the girl didn't know anything about him. And she went to school today and she's now at Revive. Wow. So. So, yeah. So for those of you who pray, do please be praying uh, for her. You know, you can't imagine, you know, four years old suddenly having to go through all of this. This is crazy. But this is, you know, why Revive exists. We live in a broken world. You know, sin is here. It's not just a spiritual thing. It's in the world. It's relationships. It's it, it, it's infiltrated every 
bit of society. And, and as Christians, we are here to, uh, to bring God's restoration and salvation to wherever sin has penetrated. And so this, is, unfortunately, is a, as a result of the fall. And, and, and now we have to, to, to love and protect this girl who's just arrived at Revive. So do please be praying pray for her, and hopefully she'll be adopted again. <laughs> As we go on, and perhaps in a, a future pod, and this is what I always keep on saying, James, don't I? Yeah. All these, all these subjects for futures, uh, we can we can really get into adoption and all of the issues and themes that that has as well. That are going on there too. Yeah, yeah, it's a big, it is uh, a big, a big subject. Well, thanks for sharing that update, Andy, and maybe. Maybe um, in a couple of weeks' time, we can follow up on that story and, and see what's going on there, too. Yeah, great. Yeah. Sounds good. It's time for my uh, <clears throat> my Portuguese. Uh, I, keep yeah. clearing my, I keep clearing my throat like that. I think it's because I, I, I'm nervous about... Uh, because <laughs> it's very difficult. I think one of the things I struggle with the most is, is getting the accent of a language correct. Yeah. Um, we always used to call it when we used to go on vacations to France when I was a kid. We always used to call it the continental accent. Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's the the British accent that has no idea of how to pronounce um, <laughs> the, uh, the the foreign words. And it's funny. I was listening to a video this week of some Portuguese speakers to try and understand, and I was surprised by how certain things and it, maybe it's you know i learned a little bit of french how certain letters i would have thought were pronounced one way are actually pronounced very differently yeah uh, in my understanding so yeah. um, hey well you've really done your homework if you've really started to, to listen well, to oh, Portuguese yeah. speakers to get the accent why wow. oh goodness well no 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 you're, you're building be, yourself you're up gonna, you're going to be cr- incredibly disappointed um so, so you gave me a phrase. You gave me, you gave me a phrase. You gave me a phrase to practice. Now, this phrase that you gave me to practice, that I have been butchering uh, this week. Um, so, you can maybe help me. But the phrase you gave me was uh, "beleza que Deus te benzoi manu." Uh, that, that's good. That's good. You know, it's it's it's, un- I... it's, un- it's understandable. <laughs> it is. Understandable. See, that's what I I wonder because you know sometimes you know when I meet someone that doesn't have English as the first language, I you know they could be quite tricky to understand uh, mm-hmm. because because the inflections of speech are different because i think that's the funny thing when i'm reading when i'm reading portuguese or i'm reading a foreign language it's really hard to know do i sound like i'm asking a question or do i sound like i'm i'm angry or because in english especially there's lots of inflections within how we speak that allow yeah. people to understand what what we mean so yeah. Hey, but so, you did you, you did a good job, and just so people understand what you actually said, you said you basically said, "Hey, buddy, God bless you, my brother." <laughs> so that was that was good. Yeah, it was really good. Yes. And um, it's you know, just remembering about you know going to going to France when you're little continental kind of accent. I just remember my mum just speaking English, but at a higher level, (laughs) at a higher volume. (laughs) That's basically That's what us English speakers are famous for, is just, uh, you know, the expectation that everyone speaks English. So we should just, the louder we speak it, the more likely we are to understand. So you gave me... Yeah, good. I was going to say, your homework. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Oh, don't worry, Andy. Don't worry. (laughs) So you gave me this phrase to translate is... I really like you, Andy. You are a great friend. Good. So it was very difficult uh, to to. <laughs> I appreciate. It. 
so it's um, affirmed. So I had to I had to split it up into sentences because um, I, first of all I had to find a decent a decent way of a Portuguese dictionary that also allowed me to create the phrases. Um, so and then I had to try and find out how these were pronounced. I thought um, you just so, go to Google and just put it into Google ever, Translate. Have you ever tried Google Translate? Have you ever tried putting a phrase oh. into Google Translate and then flip terrible? it back? <laughs> and then and then, and then turn it around. Uh, it's it's not very good. It makes no sense. So okay. we'll we'll try that. One week we'll try uh, Google Translate and, and you'll see how bad it is. Okay. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. So here we go. So Andy, eu gusto muito e você. <laughs> I take it that you're laughing because it was that good. It it was it was borderline terrible, but uh, but it was no 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 sorry sorry I I will I will explain myself okay. before uh, before and, people. Okay, Andy, você un un grande amigo. Oh, you're so so kind. You're so kind. Yeah. Your words. Andy, your your oh, oh, keep going. I was going. to say I hadn't finished yet. Oh, sorry. Andy, você parece um hippopotamo. <laughs> No, I'm pretty sure I didn't give you that praise. What, what are you talking about? Uh, just I got everything. <laughs> I got everything in there that was needed. <laughs> Perhaps you need to put that last one in into Google, and you'll see that you told me that I look like a hippo. <laughs> oh, is that right? Is that right? I didn't realize this at all. So, hey, so you actually understood what I said. Oh yeah, your words. Your words were perfect. You had the 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 exact words. They were brilliant. It was just the way you said them, which was terrible. There we go. There we go. We can have a spin-off, spin-off pod of learning languages with with Andy and James. Well, Andy, I have I have uh, I have a crazy idea. I have an, an absolutely crazy idea to to take this challenge up because I think I've mastered I've mastered enough Portuguese. You've right? mastered. Yeah. Okay. Go on. Um, so, and I I, I want to test your Portuguese against my Portuguese. All right. Um, so I've heard that to really master a language, you have to actually be able to to sing. Uh, in that language no uh, so i you know I, uh, I let's give us a little bit of time because it's going to take some time because masterpieces <laughs> aren't aren't built in a week here uh but i'd like to challenge us both to come up with a uh brazilian song uh, <laughs> and it has to be at least at least a minute long what uh, yeah at least a minute long well this um, is kind of like you are you presuming that we can sing can you, you know, um, even in English, can we actually sing? Well, I'm we... just saying, I'm saying that the mastery of language is going to be displayed in in our singing uh, ability. So there you go. So right. so give ourselves a couple of weeks. Um, but so that's, it's that's a, song, a, a song, a minute long song in Portuguese. Can it be yeah. kind of like just a techno beat and then just with a Portuguese uh, word? No, I think it has to be like, it has to be kind of what, you know, Brazilian type of music. So maybe samba, samba. a samba beat, or uh, I've heard there's a type of music called favela funk. Is this right? Oh my word. Okay, go on then, yeah. Okay, so okay. You, have, you have to pick a kind of, you know, something that's authentically okay. Brazilian. And I'll tell you what, get we'll maybe get the girls at Revive or some of the staff at Revive to judge the... To um, judge. Oh, no. As yeah. long as we don't have to do the dances that go along with favela funk or samba, then we will be okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, this is why we just do an audio podcast. Yeah, that's right. Great, yeah. We, we, we get out of get out of dance. Okay, Andy, another week under our belts. Uh, hopefully we were clearer this week. 
Um, thank you for all the people that are listening. So, so far, Andy, we have people from the US, the UK, Brazil, and Peru. So, wow. so there we go. Yeah, we're, we're international, international podcast. Yeah, the far shore's gone international. I do, uh, wonder, yeah. I do wonder how many people make it to this point in the podcast. Um, <laughs> be interesting. We should, we should come up with a special prize for the people that make it to, to you know, the last minute of the podcast somehow. That's, that we should do something. Uh, we'll have to use our imagination, but I feel like we should do something special for those people yeah. that make it this yeah. So There should be some kind of special Easter egg type of thing that, yeah. that they could find. Yeah, we'll have to think about that. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been really fun, and we'll see you all again on the far shore next time. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can email us at thefarshore at reviveinternational.net. To learn more about the work of Revive International, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, revive-international.org. Please subscribe to keep track of new episodes. We look forward to you joining us on our next journey being called to the far shore.